Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Life is so much better with some light. Anyone had the power go out on them? And at that point, you realize you should have bought the flashlight that you can, uh, you know, move the little thing and it, and it yeah, it gets electricity. Even a candle can light up a significant amount of space in a very, very dark place. Our life, we carry light with us. We have a presence with us. And in Christ, we have his presence. We have his light. He is the capital L, the light. He is the capital to to our existence for light. So when we really think about letting our light shine, it's letting him shine through us. And you been to a neighborhood where a street light's out? Start to look over your shoulder pretty quick. I was watching a football game about, it was one of the New Year's games, and it was about 12, it was real late, and I feel this rumble, boom, I hear outside. I go look outside, someone ran into the street light pole right in front of my house. And I went outside, he was kind of dizzy, he's like, I don't know what happened. And I started talking, hanging out. And for about three weeks, I had no street light outside my house, and I just remember praying a lot more that week you know, that month. Just like, Jesus, protect this place. Just because it was darker. Because when it's dark, you can't see stuff. And so you don't feel as secure. You don't feel as at peace. And too often in our life, we're walking in darkness and we just don't turn on the light in that area because we've actually fallen in love with the darkness because we don't want to see what's there. We don't want to see the weaknesses, the insecurities, the brokenness. And we're going to look at God's word because what it does is this. It exalts him, it cleans us, and it puts him in the proper place. And then as we're in Christ, we're covered and we let the light shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And when you come in, you come to a a setting like this and you see some followers of Jesus and they're going to read the Bible it's to be assumed that there's some people that are skeptics and even me walking with Jesus now 11 years, I don't naturally just think every, I, I wrestle with some things. I'm like, I don't know. That doesn't make full sense to me. And so I want to invite you to question. I want to invite you to wrestle. I want to invite you to experience God where you're at. And here's what happens. I also invite you though to be ready to be changed if he wants you to because he can knock and he can change things in ways that you can't do. And that's what happens. And so when you outreason God, we're in trouble and that's where the faith comes in. But there is a, there's a sense of sensitivity and vulnerability that we can be with Jesus. We can come just as we are. We can come confused. And, but we have to come letting him be the author of it all, letting him be the final say, let him, him get the stamp of approval in our life as we look at how his word shines. In Matthew um, 7, I want to pull that one up real quick. It says this, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. How many people here know that it is easier to live bad than it's easier to live good? It is easier for kids to figure out how to lie than it is for them to obey. It just seems like it takes longer for them to obey and then they just naturally, where do they get that from? What does that happen? Well, where do we get it from? How does that happen? It's our sin nature. It's that fallen part of us all. And that gate is wide and tons of people travel on it. 
And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word. What is that? Scripture. The Bible. The Bible I listened to on the way in this morning was like this. I call it the Ned Flanders edition. Jesus, you're so perfect. We love you, God. Holy art thou. Would you spend some time ministering to our hearts and spirits? It was just kind of like that. For God so loved the world. And I just, and there's this music in the background and I felt like I couldn't connect, couldn't relate. Scripture's not meant to be read like that if that's not how it communicates to you. I'm sure for the Ned Flanders, you know who Ned Flanders is? It's Homer Simpson's neighbor. It's a Christian neighbor. How do they do with that? And uh, anybody? No one remembers that? Okay, I didn't do it justice. Okay, but... God wants to speak to us at we're at in our language and even with our dialect. So with the nuances and the things we're familiar with. That's why scripture in different environments fleshes out differently. So it expresses itself differently. So if you went and hang out with a bunch of biker guys, a bunch of Harley people, and they're going to experience Jesus, the same principles and truth, but they might express it a little bit differently than the people over there with the rap crew, the rappers. We're going to talk a little different. God is God of both, and he wants to speak over both. So I, I hope, though, you get a new picture today, a new perspective of Scripture. It doesn't have to be this stale, hard, uncomfortable type of dialect that you don't get. It needs to be the lamp to our feet, which we let guide us and we let lead us. One piece of evidence I love about Scripture is the manuscripts that have been found compared to early other ancient people that we count as fact based on some of the school books we uh, read and people that we're, we accredit great things to. So if you just pull up a few of them, you have, uh, like, you have Plato at the bottom. There's seven existing copies that 1,200 years had passed before it was duplicated. What about Caesar? There's 10 existing copies of manuscripts found and a thousand years passed from the copies. And then as we inch our way up past Aristotle and we get to the New Testament, just to get some validity of the eyewitnesses that were there, people, because if something was false, people are going to, it's not going to spread as quick because people were there, they saw it. And it's not like today, they don't have Twitter. Right? We're not going to find out about the Conor McGregor fight like instantly, how it happened on Instagram. It's just not going to happen as quick. And for the New Testament, though, manuscripts were found, they say, as early as 35 years later, and there was 24,000 copies of manuscripts that were found in different pieces or facets of the New Testament. So that just, you know what that does? It adds a little bit of strength to this faith. There's going to be a faith step in any world system that you put your hope in. There's always a jump of faith. But what I would submit to you is this, the evidence of Jesus of the Bible, the evidence of his existence, keep searching, keep seeking, because what you'll keep finding is answers. You'll keep finding hope. You'll keep finding that there's pillars in this house 
that it's not just blind, that God has been orchestrating through eyewitnesses. He's been orchestrating through writing and he's writing his character of who he is through imperfect people of his perfectness. Which a lot of people say, well, I gotta throw out the Bible because we talk about opening up a series here about streetlights, which I'm gonna explain what that is, but it's a book of the Bible that we're gonna go through and they have different books of the Bible on audio um, over hip hop beats that they read scripture over music to make it alive and to make it relevant. And you've probably said this at some point. I think most of us has. Well, it's written by people, right? Well, so how can I trust a person? Well, one of the things that's interesting about the writings of the Bible is so many people write about their mistakes and their failures. If you're gonna write about yourself, you're probably gonna leave that stuff out. But unless God's divinely orchestrating what he wants to communicate. And there's many different... um, expressions, uh, there's many different types of writing throughout scripture. So you might find some in scripture that is literal. So what we're reading actually happened exactly how they're, they're writing it. There's some that's poetic. It's meant to captivate you and draw your interest. There's parables in it. There's songs. And, and so that's so important. They call this context to have some context for what it meant. Because you see it happen all the time with followers of Jesus and people that aren't are followers of Jesus yet. And they're wrestling with some of these tough texts and they pull it out of context. They say, well, what about when God said this or did this? And that's why it's so important to read the full story of what was God's intention for that point. Because if you just came in and you took a soundbite of one of us disciplining our kids out of context, we'd all sound a little crazy, wouldn't we? So when God's disciplining his kids in scripture, because he loves them and he has a plan and he's working things out for his good and his glory. And we come in, we're like, gotcha, sound bite, play it, play it. Saw Zootopia Friday. She had this little, uh, I won't ruin the whole story, but this little recorder and kept playing back what people said. Oh, I got, I got the evidence right here. That's kind of what we do with God sometimes. Well, let us not be a people group that's easily uh, mocked and led astray. Let us be a people group that does wrestle does care about theology, the study of God. That's simply what it means. But also understands it's deeply personal and relational. And that there is absolute truth found in a perfect person named Jesus. And there's not an exact roadmap for how every single thing fleshes out, but that's okay. That's why we have each other. That's why we have the text. And we're working this out from glory to glory and to one day see him in his kingdom reign. So we're gonna go to Ephesians chapter one. For the next three weeks, we're going to be going through chapter one, chapter two. Zach's speaking next week here from Kid City. And then chapter three. And I invite you to go online, download the Streetlights material, streetlightsbible.com. You can also go to your app store. They have a lot of music with scripture reading over it because you can memorize it. It's way easier to memorize a song than it is sometimes to listen to some of the, the Bible or when you read the Bible too. Because a lot of people here, once we read, we become the person on the CD, the Ned Flanders edition. Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus and see. So, you, come on. Has anybody else experienced this? This is what I remember. I thought Jesus was like this. I didn't know Jesus could dunk on people. I didn't know Jesus could shoot a three. I didn't know Jesus could just show up at your party with louder music than you. I didn't know Jesus could be in the corner. He could braid somebody's hair. I didn't know that. I didn't know Jesus outcooks you, but he outcooks you. I didn't know Jesus, you know, I didn't know it. It wasn't, in, it just, 
it just wasn't, and that wasn't a knock on them. I love them. But that is today to be free. Get free with God's word. Be free. Be free. Let him talk to you how he talks to you. Let him walk with you. Be free. You have likes and difference that are different than each person next to you. So check out this video as we listen and read chapter one of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter one. Greetings from Paul. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Spiritual blessings. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without faults in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Paul's prayer for spiritual wisdom. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. 
and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Let's talk about what's going on here. Paul is writing this letter who used to be Saul, and he's writing it from a prison in Rome. So he's imprisoned, he's on lockdown, and he still has hope to write such words in Christ. And God's using him to write to specifically the people in Ephesus, the book Ephesians. And so it's a letter specific to that city, that region, that people, those followers of Jesus. And that's important to understand. As we talked about Ephesus last week in the good life, the good life to, it's all about Jesus and it's all about people. It's all about that we recognize we're dead in sin and that he's made us alive and that's the good news. And therefore we give a good report in light of what we see long-term. Jesus, it's good. God is good. The city, Ephesus, a big city, publicly known, huge temple. It was, I read this week, it was one of the seven ancient natural wonders uh, the Greek god Artemis or Diana. It's a pagan place and Christians are responding to the gospel radically. The people burnt their magic books up to $20 million of personal value because once they saw Jesus, they said, I don't want that life anymore. I'm gonna burn it. It's out. Let's go. So this is the same region now. You got some followers. You got, you got uh, you know, some buzz. Christianity's moving. And what's very interesting is this letter is specifically proclaiming the kingdom of God and the gospel. It's all about the gospel, but it doesn't deal with any major teaching issue or sound doctrine issue. It doesn't deal with that there's some type of false teacher. It doesn't deal with real critiques of the church either. So this people group actually has some great momentum going on. So they have some stability, some continuity. There's some synergy. There's awesome movement of Christ. And so we could just read it and just be so excited and think, wow, that's exactly how I want to be. But I also want to heed us because in Revelation 2, they're one of the churches that gets rebuked for forgetting their first love. I've been thinking about that this week, that we could learn all this and we could get so excited about all the events that we could forget our first love. As we look at this letter, I hope that we're captivated by the first love. And if you don't know... Him in the first love in Him, Jesus. And I hope today is your day. Let's look at Ephesians 1. This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's excited to uh, change his job title. Super excited about it. It's an introduction. This is, I'm excited about my job title. I'm an apostle now in Christ Jesus. Worldviews shift when you're in Christ. Everything changes. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. Think of that today. If God is writing a letter to his holy people in Lansing, our ears perk up. Let your ears perk up, perk up today. This is for Lansing. This is for us. This is for us. And I don't know about you, but that second half of the sentence there, the faithful followers of Christ Jesus. I don't always feel like a faithful follower of Christ Jesus. Consistent, don't make mistakes. I don't always feel like a faithful follower of Jesus. Faithful, the better term would be this, full of faith in Christ. It changes it, right? To be full of faith in Christ means you're excited about what he did, not what you and I do. Because we're going to have some inconsistencies. We're going to be faithless at times. We're going to doubt. We're going to struggle. You're going to get mad. You might even swear. 
I know that's crazy for some of you. It might happen. You might hear somebody swear and you might judge them and condemn them. You might grab the rock and then want to be the one who casts this. I just want to throw this. Look at them. They sinned. I want to throw. Jesus is like, thou without sin, cast the first stone. I hate it. You don't want to drop the rock. Drop the rock. Well, good news. Full of faith, follower of Christ Jesus. Let that change it. That we're full of faith in what he's done and who he is. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Praise God. Let us continue. Verse three. All the praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Feel that. We throw the word blessing around a lot, but to be blessed with the heavenly spiritual blessing in the realms that are united with Christ means infinite eternal glory and hope. That's the highest blessing we could ever get. I mean, this is hard in a Facebook society. This is so hard because to slow down and hear this for a minute. It's been hard for my soul this week studying this. It's it's hard to just pause and say, wow, I'm blessed beyond anything this world can give me. I'm united with Christ. That he loved me and he chose me and that I have no fault in his eyes and I'm a son, that I'm loved, that he accepts you. That's what he says on you. Verse five. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. If you're familiar with adoption, you might be familiar with some of the friction stories. You watch Annie and you see maybe 13-year-olds join a house. You hear the story about the kid who's been in nine different places. And you get some good stories of some great homes of people that I know and I love and I cherish. And you see the beautiful side of adoption. But get God's picture of adoption. It means that you aren't in the family. You don't get to be in the family. You're dead. You can't, you can't get in. You've sinned. We're guilty. We're broken. We're on the outside. We can't. We don't get to decide when we come in. We don't get to say, hey, that family. I mean, we, it's not us. We're never in. And he comes in and he says, you know what? There is my children. I adopt them. And he doesn't, it's not like this, uh, oh, we, well, you needed a home. It's, we see it's Abba. It's the term that Jesus used for the father. That's what adoption, that's the picture. When you're in the family of God, maybe you feel like, oh, you're one of those people that says, well, when I walk into church, I just feel like the place is gonna burn on fire because I'm just such a bad sinner and I'll give the city life thing a try. And you'll never out God's grace of what he can do. And so when you're adopted, you trust Jesus and that identity is now in him and he's laying his life on top of you and you're covered by him and therefore you can cry Abba to Jesus. And then the natural question, well, what about the sin I'm dealing with? Well, we got to ask ourselves, do we know Jesus? Do we love him? And do we understand what he's done for us? Because if we understand what he's done for us, then when things start to fall off, they just do. And they, don't ha- they don't, may not happen quick, but they fall off. They fall off. Things change. Desires change. Places we want to go change. And this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. It gave God so much great pleasure to grab us when we were lost. So we praise God for this glorious grace as he poured out on us who belong to his dear son. 
You'll notice a theme throughout all of scripture when you read it. It just talks about God and heaven and Jesus a whole lot. <laughs> like a whole lot. Like, you're like, okay, is there anything else to talk about? No, there's really nothing else to talk about in life. Well, I want something applicable for my job. And Okay, cool. Your job, you may or may not be successful. I've watched people sit in the same seminar. Some get it, some don't. We can have that kind of stuff. But I tell you this, there is one place that we all get freedom forever. And that's when the kingdom of God is fully revealed and manifested through Jesus, in Jesus. So when it's saying in Jesus, that's where we all kind of equal up here because when we're in him. And yes, there'll be rewards that are different. Some people that really dominated, but to the most part, it's just, it's just grace. It's just receiving that. So we praise God for the glorious grace as he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. You belong here to his dear son. You belong to his dear son. You belong to Jesus. Let it knock in your brain. You belong to Jesus. That is so hard. That is so hard. It is so hard. It is so easier for me to tell you than it is to tell myself. If I mess up, I, my first thing is to think, well, can I run sprints? Can I do push-ups, coach? What do I got to do? <laughs> I had a wrong motive. I got angry. I just, what, what, what do I do? I disciplined my kids too long. I spent a long day. I ate pizza for the seventh time in a row. What do I do tonight to make this right, God? And he's like, you know what God told me this week? He said, why do you beat yourself up so much? What would you tell somebody else? I tell him, forget about this. It's nothing. Who cares? Let's run. He's like, tell yourself that. Tell yourself that. Tell yourself that this week, that you belong to his dear son, Jesus. He is so rich in kindness. This kindness term is used throughout all the Old Testament of the steadfast love of God that pursues you and me. And grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. There's been a purchase and a payment and it's permanent. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Verse nine. God now has revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. It is kind of mysterious. We don't know exactly when he's coming back. The people in the Old Testament and the followers of Jesus at that time weren't followers of Jesus. Uh, they didn't know the exact layout, but they were followers of faith that God's going to bring a Messiah and he's going he's to bring this promise. He's going to redeem us and he, he, he's our God and, and he's removed us for his glory uh, from certain settings and places and he's taken us to a better region and the promised land. And then we have a promised land that's coming back one day. I know this is kind of like, what is going on? Heaven, the new Jerusalem, new city, Jesus is going to come back and gather all of his kids from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And we're going to sing, holy, holy is the, worthy, is the Lord God Almighty forever. And it's going to be great. And it's going to be like, like everything now, but like 3.0, maybe, I don't know, whatever's the latest software update right now. It's going to be like that a million times a million uh, Paul was caught up to the third heaven. Not exactly sure what that is, but the third heaven, and it, it, it's just undescribable how awesome it's gonna be. Undescribable. So you can think as in light of eternity and in light of heaven, it, it pales in comparison to what we have right now. It just pales in comparison. Some people right now are starving. Others are eating lavish. Some people are on a boat. Others are just trying to fish and find food today. So the dichotomy is so interesting. So interesting. And the mysterious will regarding Christ means that God has been unveiling or pulling back part of his curtain or, you know, revealing part of his mosaic just piece by piece by piece. And it is a, it's a mystery to us at some point, but that's okay. You guys, we use like eight to 12% of our brains, some scientists say. Quit being God. Just get out of the chair for a minute. It's okay. God, let him be God. 
And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together. Come on, this is the plan. It's like Mission Impossible. Come on, I pull everybody. This is the plan. You got it. You read a scripture like this? It's kind of cool. We should, you know, kind of illustrate it more. This is the plan. Do you hear me? This is the plan. Yeah, there's a sales meeting. Everyone's, you know, yeah, how much money do I make? Tell me how much money I make. That's all salesman thing. How much money can I make off this? Oh yeah, right, it's about people. Okay, how much money can I make? And uh, they call it, uh, what's in it for me? W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? And uh, this isn't about what's in it for me. It's about what's Christ, who is Christ? And God's gonna bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ. That's so exciting. Because that means all of our differences, we're united in him. And you're gonna see more differences than ever right now. Uh, Our hope is going to be in so many political candidates. It is going to get crazy. And some of you, please, just please, just have an ounce of tact online. Just an ounce. Just an ounce. And just be sensitive that you actually don't know um, fully uh, what God's great grand plan is. You just don't. And and doesn't mean you shouldn't be involved. Absolutely be involved. Are you kidding me? Be involved. Do everything you're called to be involved. But but realize that you're ostracizing people, that you're not uniting them with Christ. And that's what happens when we find ourselves, you know, kind of in this little stream that's off on the side that we think, no, God said. I mean, I've heard people say, God said 100% that this is the way, this is the way, that way is going to lead to, you know, Obama, the, 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 the devil should have already been here from so much stuff people said, you know. It's just like, yeah, I mean, come on. It's like, makes you a little uncomfortable for a minute. But you guys, we have to have tough conversations on Sunday. We have to. And one of the tough conversations is we will not be united by Christ if our Facebook looks pathetic. It looks, I mean, I, I, I could spaz out way more. It hurts. It, it is so harmful. It is so harmful. So please, uh, let's love one another and be united in Christ. And just show a little bit of tact. Be you. Like, you can disagree with people. Don't unfollow everyone. You know, have healthy disagreements. But remember that family conversations sometimes should be behind closed doors. Christians debating online. It's like 7 million denominations. Come on, like stop, Jesus. That's all I'm seeing in Ephesians 1. That's all I'm seeing. I'm seeing in Christ a whole bunch. I'm seeing Jesus a whole bunch. I'm seeing God a whole bunch. We have received an inheritance from God. Some people here really want to be wealthy (laughs) and you just wish you had an inheritance. Here's the cool thing, you do. It's worth more than money. It's awesome. And be careful because the money you get on this earth, God may want you to steward it awesome. Wait, he does. And he may want you to give a lot. Wait, he does. He may want you to be rich in good works and deeds and all that stuff. He does. So money is not the essence. It's not the end all. It is not the, um, you know, the, the closure, the goal. The, clo- the closure and the goal is this, the inheritance that we get from God in Jesus. That's the goal. That's the goal. I need this beat in my head. And I always want to beat this in my head more and more that Jesus is everything. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. He elected us. That God foreknew you. How that plays out is mysterious. That he knew you. And how free will plays out. You know, God's outside space and time. But it is clear that he's sovereign and he's working things out for his glory. Because We're sinful, he's perfect and holy, so therefore his glory would be the thing that would be most desired. And we struggle with this because we struggle with authority. Let's continue, chapter, verse 12. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, kind of get mad, who are you calling a Gentile? Who are you calling a Gentile, George? Who are you calling? Who are you calling? Do you hear them? They call me a Gentile. 
It's God's word. We're Gentiles, most of us here. Maybe there's some Jews. And uh, heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. It almost feels like it's getting old by now. It shouldn't get old though. We are saved. It is awesome. We're not even into the next chapter. Chapter two is just like this too. So it's chapter three and then four, five, and six start to actually say what you do in light of this truth. Soak this in that we're saved. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. This is the seal whom he promised long ago. Verse 14. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us an inheritance he promised us and that he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. There's the response of a life that's been forgiven, that's new. When God's making all things new, excited about it. He made me new. I'm excited about it. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. It just means I want to praise and glorify him. Verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love of God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. Paul's so excited that there's people that love Jesus in Ephesus. He's just thanking God for them. And that's what people are thanking God for on behalf of City Life and you. There's people that I meet, they're like, I thank God for you guys. I thank you for reaching the schools. I thank you for loving people in the neighborhoods. I thank you for giving us a glimpse of hope. I thank you for, you know, showing us what Jesus could look like outside a, a super rigid setting. I just thank you. And they've been thanking God for you. For real, for you. Everything you do is significant. Every single thing you do is significant. I pray for you constantly asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom. I need some spiritual wisdom this morning. This is our prayer. God, give us spiritual wisdom. Give us new desires and insights so that we might grow in the knowledge of God. Come on, we might grow in the knowledge of God. I sure don't wanna know sports stats more than I know God. I remember every sports stat from when I was seven and I went to spring training a lot and it's taken a while and I, I'm not the guy that remembers every single Bible verse. You know, I remember stories and, 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 and you know, direct kind of addresses and big themes and, and so it's okay. There's freedom there. You don't have to be an encyclopedia but we do have to give attention to something that gave us new life. And so as we now think about closing not think about it we're going to close in 19 and 18 I pray that your hearts be flooded with the light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people who are rich in glorious inheritance I pray also that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him you have power you have power you have power in God in Christ you have power the demons will flee. You have power over that. You have power over those movies and those shows. You have power over that bad relationship. You do. You do. You have power and there's deliverance and addiction doesn't always have to beat you. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. God, Jesus, over everything. Things work good when we're under authority. They do. Things work better when we humble ourselves and say we're not in charge. God is. And then you steward your platform better. If it's a worker, if it's a coach, 
If it's a boss, you steward it better because you recognize there's somebody who God has displayed his full glory through Jesus and everything is under his authority. He's got the rank, y'all. He's got the rank. He's got the rank. 21. And now he, it's highlighted this whole thing in orange. It kind of looks more brown on the screen. Now he is far above any rule or anything or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also the world to come. Live with the end in mind. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. We are a picture of what he looks like. We, here. Let us not forget our first love. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. It starts to come alive. Worship team, you can come out. Want to, uh, can I sit down up here? Some, some, it, uh, only like 1% maybe. It's, we're too informal for you. Um, it's okay. I'd rather be too informal than over formal for you because I've seen the effects of what an informal Jesus looks like in people's lives. And it's, it's atrocious. It's forgetting the first love. It's that, oh, look at this beautiful horse. Well, what about the one who gives the victory? It's like, oh, look at the beautiful plants and the waters we have. Well, what about the one who makes it grow? Well, look at all these weapons we have. And oh, we're so strong. We could destroy every nation on the planet. Like, that's literally how we think sometimes. Let God's word captivate us. Let it become the light. That this little light of mine, we will let it shine. That it becomes a lamp to our feet that guides us on the narrow path that when we walk, it leads to life. We want to be a part of life. We all do. So kill the pride today. Identity in Christ. Inheritance in Christ. Adopted in Christ. That we are his body. And may we reflect his love and his hope to the world. God, stir up a passion in your people this morning for your word. I pray that it would come alive. I pray that they would get rooted with people, with leaders and each other, and they would grow this journey. Sometimes it looks like singing a bunch of songs. Sometimes it looks like crying. Sometimes it looks like trying to understand just one word for a whole hour. But God, captivate us. Pull us close. Let us not live a life that isn't found in you. Like the Apostle Paul who writes his new job description as a servant, as an apostle, as a leader. We would have a new job description in Christ. Even if it's a mail worker or a cash clerk, that it would be a cash clerk in Christ. Doesn't mean you have to say Jesus every second. It means you'd have to exuberate and let his light shine. Yes, you'll be the first to forgive. Yes, it will be hard sometimes. But you know what? He's called you here. He brought you here. You're different. You've been adopted. You've been chosen. He set you apart. Let's live like it. And let his light shine. listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more
more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelancing.com. You belong here.